Hey, Knowles, welcome to Front Row. Knowles, as always, a big shout out to Seminole Boosters, longtime supporter of this program. Thank you to those of you who are Seminole Boosters and supporting Florida State Athletics. We are excited for the new year. Annual Fund, Bowden Society, Coaches Club, all almost to goal. So if you haven't stepped up already, I invite you to do so. And again, thanks to, to Seminole Boosters for supporting Front Row Knowles. With that said, and without further ado, here's this week's show. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Jones back with you. It is your favorite hour of the week. It's front row Knowles, Keith. At least it's my favorite hour, Keith. Anyway, I'll speak for me only. How are you, sir? Mine as well. Mine as well. And hopefully, hopefully for some of our listeners, hopefully for them as well. Yeah. Hopefully our wives are not listening at the moment with that comment. But anyway, KJ, uh, it, it feels this continues. We've sort of shifted from camp mode to game plan mode. And the Florida City was off Monday and Tuesday. We're actually recording on Tuesday night, but Wednesday, a little bit uh, of game planning starts, and that's a uh, psychologically at least that must be a little bit of a change. Uh, the players, it's still hot, but they feel like they've kind of made it past the first hurdle of the ball. Well, you're not concentrating on the person in front of you anymore. You're concentrating on who you're going to play a week from Sunday uh, when you get down to Orlando. So, yeah, the mindset changes a little bit. Uh, obviously, uh, from everything that was said, the scrimmage on Saturday, excuse me, Sunday, scrimmage on Sunday went very well. In fact, I'll ask you. Have you heard the coordinators speak so highly of a scrimmage since Norvell's been here? I don't think so, but we have to be careful on this because what happens in the month of August every year is that uh, you only you remember you focus on the good things more than the bad things, uh, and you think about what the potential is. Now, I would agree. I, I think they have a, a pretty good hand, and I think they know it. But uh, you can't stand pat on that hand. I mean, you you got to keep working, and that's their job. But, no, to your point, the direct answer is uh, no. I don't think I've heard them seem quite as pleased as, as how they sounded after the scrimmage on Sunday. Now, obviously, as every former player will tell you, you've got to go out and execute and win ball games. Uh, but when you've got the collective staff uh, talking uh, in such a way as what I listened to after the scrimmage on Sunday and more comments on Monday, um, you know, I, I, I took a big sigh and said, now, re remember to remain um, cautious, cautious optimism. Um, but I, I, that hype train is, is uh, chugging down the track pretty good. Remain calm and carry on. That's what we all need to do is uh, we got a week and a half to the first game. All right. Speaking of a guy that now he didn't always remain calm and we love him for it. William <laughs> Floyd was an enforcer throughout his career been uh, the color uh, analyst for the radio network for quite some time now. I've worked with him there on the on the Saturday or the game day broadcast. He'll join us next. So stay with us here on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, let us crank open that Earl Bacon HC hotline, the Earl Bacon HC, ensuring your future together. We appreciate their longtime support of the program, and we appreciate this gentleman 
joining us uh, at least annually, it seems like. You guys know him well. He is uh, one of our best guests every year, bar none, William Barnon Floyd. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How you guys doing? We're good. Football's coming, and it's coming very soon. Uh, William, what's the first thing? It can be a, a word or a short phrase, maybe a sentence that pops to your mind when you think about the 2023 Seminoles. Uh, expectations. I guess that's a, it's great expectations for this football team right now. Well, there's no question that. So let, let's start there then. Do you, do you have concerns that the hype train's a little out of control, or do you feel that Coach Norvell does such a good job with the players that they truly are able to stay focused just on themselves and not worry about all that hype? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's more of the players just listening to them and the way they're approaching it as well. You know, their leaders are saying the right things and doing the right things. You know, you, you listen to Verge, you listen to Jordan Travis, you listen to Benson, you know, you listen to some of the new guys that are coming in and Fisk and, you know, Keon Coleman and, you know, the tight end, uh, Jaheim. So, I mean, everywhere that you look on this team, they're talking with a lot of confidence. And I think what, you know, Coach Norvell has been able to do a good job of is to not let them read too much of their own press and kind of keep that in mind too. Because I think there are three things that this team has to do. Number one, they have to play together as a together team. You know, the best competition needs to be in practice. And I thought I heard some or saw something about one of the kids saying something about iron sharpening iron, and that's how it was with us. You know, if you asked us who was the best competition we went against, you know, the year we won it in 93, it would have been the guys that we practiced against every day in practice. So that's where the real competition starts. So they got to be a together team. Then they can't to read, read too much of their own press. And then, of course, they got to go out and get it done. So, um, I, mean, I mean, that's why you're so excited about it. You know, for us that have been around so long, you know, it's kind of like we expect this, KJ. I mean, this is what, you know, you know, Tom, this is what we came into. You know, Florida State playing, you know, the, the national championship coming through Tallahassee every other year. So um, it's great to be back in that, in that, you know, discussion again. And now we got to do is just go out and handle business. Barton, we're, you know, obviously Tommy and I are in Tallahassee. Uh, and, and most of our listeners know you live in Central Florida. We hear what goes on here in the uh, city of the Knowles. What do you What are you hearing from the folks that you interact with down in the central part of the state? Are they Are they buying into the hype, or or is there some uh, just a little bit of nagging doubt somewhere? I think you know everybody is cautiously optimistic. You know we still have like we we have all the tools. We have everything on paper. You know, everybody knows that we can go out and compete with everybody, you know, with everybody in the country. But until you actually go out and get it done, I think there's always going to be a little bit, you know, of something lingering in the back of everybody's head until we go out. Like, we get through, um, you know, September with, the, you know, victories against, you know, LSU. And then, of course, um, you know, come home and win those couple games and, you know, play Clemson. Um, then, you know, I mean, we get through September, then I think everybody believes that we have, the, what it takes and we, you know, have the focus to be able to get to, you know, the game that everybody wants to get to. Talking with William Barnon Floyd. All right, Barnon, I'll remind our listeners, your son is on the football team and uh, he's he's always got a smile on his face when he comes off the field and uh, he'll say hello to me, uh, whether it's at the game or at practice. Here, Here's what I want to know, though, Barnon. What has he said about what he sees at practice? Now, don't go give away any trade secrets, but I'm sure he shared a little something either about the intensity 
or some of the freshman DBs or just something in general that he's seen this year at camp? I think, well, you know, with the conversations that we've had, and, you know, he's busting his tail trying to get out there and, and get on the field. But I think it's the level of competition. You know, we, we have the depth now on both sides of the ball at every position where there is so, so much competition at every position that you know that, you know, like Coach Bowden used to say, if, you know, young man, you're an ankle spring away from being a starter. And I think that's true with every position that you look across of the board now. It's like that at every position. There's great competition. And I think if the guy, you know, that's up there getting it done, you know, happens to, you know, get an ankle sprain in the dot for a week or two, they have the depth to go out there and still compete at a high level. So I think that, you know, what I've been hearing mostly is just about the intensity and competitiveness um, at every position in practice. William, you broadcast every game that uh, Jordan Travis has played in. Take us back just a little bit about what he was like as a freshman and what you saw last year and what you expect to see this year. Wow. Well, I think um, when we first saw Jordan Travis and he was trying to find his way, um, I, I, didn't, I don't think he had, got, uh, you know, gained the confidence of the coaches. You know, he was competing with uh, Mackenzie Milton. Um, they still hadn't really, I don't, I don't think anybody really bought in to him being who he is now and then. You know, he basically ran and used his legs that year to, you know, to get himself uh, in a position where he could compete. Um, and then, you know, last year, man, just wow, what a transformation. You know, he, did, he didn't run the ball unless he had to. And I think it really helped us out at the end of the season we played Florida because he hadn't ran the ball a whole lot. We always knew he was dangerous with his legs, but he really used his legs in that Florida game, and I don't think they were anticipating that. But he stood in the pocket delivered great footballs, made great decisions all year long, and really led that offense. And I said at the end of the season last year, if this kid comes back, you know, he's going to be in the conversation for the Heisman. And sure enough, you know, he's in the conversation for the Heisman. If he has a season like he had last year, he'll definitely um, be sitting up there in New York, um, hopefully getting his name called to be a fourth Heisman Trophy winner. I like the way you, uh, you're expressing your optimism, Barnon. You, you got going to New York, Downtown Athletic Club. I like it. I like it. Yeah, man. I mean, it's that you have to shoot high, man. You got that. And that's the whole thing. If you don't have that belief, you know, that you can get it done and you don't believe that you're going to be able to, you know, be that guy that can lead the football team and possibly win a Heisman, then it's not going to happen for you. I know Charlie, you know, looking at him, he's never going to say it. You know, he's probably the most quiet, confident young man that I've ever met in my life. You know, he's not going to talk about him himself. He's just going to go out and get it done. And I think that's kind of the mentality that this kid Jordan Travis has. And he has a lot of guys in front of him that have gotten it done. So all he has to do is take a, you know, a, a little, a few lessons from the guys that have already won the Heisman at Tallahassee. Now let's talk running backs, your old position. What, uh, who do you see? Who does Trey Benson remind you of? What What do you like about his skill set? Wow, man, he's kind of like uh, if you look at his, you know, just look at his bill. He kind of reminds you of Greg Jones. Um, but man, he, he, I mean, he can pick him up and put him down. He makes, uh, you know, he has good vision when he sees the hole. He hits the hole. And the one thing I like about him is his, you know, yards after you know he gets hit. You know, he's gonna get break probably about two tackles every time he runs the football. But then what I love about him, too, is he, 
you know, he's a home run hitter. You know, he's one of those kids that can, you know, at any point on the field or anywhere on the field, he can take it to the house. William, you people forget because they just don't choose to remember, but you, you had some good hands. You could catch the ball out of the backfield. <clears throat> Didn't use you a terrible lot in Florida State, but in the NFL, uh, you got a little more action. Have you seen a better back out of the backfield, maybe work done, than, than uh, Tolafili catching the ball out of the backfield? No, and I was, I was hoping you was going there, too. That's another St. Petersburg product, so I got to show love for St. Petersburg. But, yeah, uh, Lawrence Tolafili, um, man, that wheel route that he runs, he gets out in the flats. Um, he's uh, pretty much, you know, going to catch the ball every time you throw it to him. So that's what you want to have from a, a running back out of the backfield. Um, he's a mismatch for most linebackers that try to cover man-to-man. So that's why you always see him slip out, see the linebacker or safety trying to cover him, and that's not going to work out a whole lot. But, no, I haven't seen a back in Tallahassee in a long time that catches the ball and does so much with the ball after they catch it as Lawrence Tor- Torfilly. Can he play at the next level, bar none, for the reasons you just detailed? Oh, it's not, without a question. I mean, I think he'd be perfect in a San Francisco offense, you know, in a Miami offense. You know, some of those guys that came from, you know, the traditional West Coast offense and that have, you know, changed it up so much, like, you know, McDaniels in Miami and Mike Shanahan and, um, excuse me, uh, Kyle Shanahan. I'm thinking about his dad that I played for in San Francisco. But Mike Shanahan, excuse me, I said it again, Kyle Shanahan. And then, of course, uh, you know, McVay down in, uh, you know, Los Angeles. You know, any one of those offenses – where they utilize the running back. That's why you see Cam out of the backfield catching the ball, some in that Rams uh, offense. So definitely I think there's an uh, opportunity for Toyfield at the next level because of that skill set, being able to catch the ball out of the backfield and do something with it once he catches it. William, for years and years we've been lamenting uh, the Florida State offensive line. Uh, I, don't, I don't think we're going to be viewing them as a weakness this year. Your thoughts on the big, the big uglies up front? Wow. Yeah, I mean, we have so much depth, a lot of guys coming back, um, some guys that, you know, have kind of maybe slipped in the depth chart a little bit and had somebody else come up and jump up a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it's been a long time since we've been this deep on the offensive side of the football. So I'm looking for the same guys to get it done. Jamari Smith, you know, he's been the juggernaut in there at center. I'm looking for him to do the same thing. You got uh, Dimitri Emmanuel. Excuse me, I think that's his name. Dimitri, did I say it right? Emmanuel, you know, I mean, this kid, you know, I kind of, I was always picking at Wake Forest for having a six, seven-year guy in there. But, you know, having that type of experience, um, being able to teach some of the young guys behind him, and then some of the the starters coming back with him on the O-line, we're going to be fine on that side. And, um, you know, contrasting on the defensive line side of the football, we haven't been this deep either. So, you know, right there in the trenches where you have to get it done, I think that's where Alabama has been able to win it over the years. I think that's what Georgia has been able to win it over the years. You know, all the teams that compete for a national championship are able to control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football. So I think us having the opportunity to be able to do that this year is going to give us a good chance to compete at a high level. Hey, William, one of the, the things that Coach Norvell and Alex Atkins have, have mentioned, without much detail, but they've, they've sort of volunteered that they plan to play more than five linemen this year. And I don't mean mop-up duty. I mean, the way it's been discussed, to the degree it's been discussed, or or the implication is, you know, it might be the third drive of the game, and they might 
switch out a right tackle or something like that. I, I mean, again, they haven't given the, the specifics of it. D- did you ever play in a system where it wasn't the same five guys and you might look at it and say, hey, you know what? Maybe this right tackle would be better against that D end, or maybe we need more bulk inside. So let's switch who's at the right guard. I mean, have you ever played in a system like that? It's, it's unconventional, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I did it in Tallahassee. And, and you know what? I forget what we used to call it, but it wasn't just the right tackle. It was the entire offense. Kentucky <laughs> you know, Derby. Entire Kentucky Derby. Offense with Danny, yeah, the Kentucky Derby with Danny Cannell. And, you know, they'd yep. go in, you know, go in and, and go in up against the starters. So, you know, like, you know, go out like the first couple of plays of the game, you know, and, you know, compete against the starters. Then once we come in, I mean, they go out there and make great plays. Then we come up there, they can stop the second team. By the time we get in there on the second and third play, they're already discouraged. So now they're playing against the big, you know, the guys that are the starters, and they're just, you know, bamboozled. You know, they don't know what to do about that. So when you think about it, yeah, how about, yes, I played in that offense in Tallahassee where we did the Kentucky Derby. So being able to, yeah, I think being able to switch players in and out like that, um, when you know that there's a, a better, uh, I guess, uh, matchup um, that, that's going to benefit you, it definitely gives you an advantage to be able to do that. But, yeah, that's exciting to be able to have that type of depth that you can get that done. But for sure, being able to do the whole thing when you have your old offense, 11 players switch in, I know what that's all about. And I'm excited that Coach Norvell is trying to get back to that. We'll let you get going here momentarily. We're talking with William Barna and Floyd as Florida State gets set for the season. Less than two weeks away, by the way, William. You ready? I'm ready. Oh, yes, I cannot wait. You know, uh, I pulled my hair out a little bit on the off season, but it's a good time. I get to chase, chase the grandbabies around, and that's always a fun time. And uh, lose a little energy getting that done, so it's a good workout. But nothing like football season. I live for it. You know, we all bleed garnered and gold, so love to see the nose get out there and compete and really excited about what we can get done this year. So uh, hats off to Coach Novell and his staff, the way they've been able to get it done um, in this short amount of time. And I know it seems like forever, but in the big scheme of things, it was a short uh, you know, amount of time to you know, get to 10 wins and have everybody in the country talking about this program again like we should be. So excited for what we can get done. So just got, got now we just got to go out and compete. Hey, William, I'll leave you with this one because this is the conundrum that the opposition is going to face all year. I, I mean, conventional thinking would be that you're going to let to stop the run against Florida State's offense. But it just feels like that is asking for over-the-top long passes to Coleman and Wilson, and you're down 14 zip before you know it, and then you begrudgingly back somebody out of the box and the running backs just eat the rest of the game. I mean, I'm oversimplifying it, but it feels like we may see that a few times this year. I think we're going to see it more than a few. I mean, we got two guys that can get it done at receiver. We got guys behind them that can get it done. I'm reading about, you know, some of the slot you know, uh, matchups that we're going to have in there, and, you know, some of the guys that are getting it done in there in the slot. Um, then you got tight ends, you know, that can get it done. So all over the field you have weapons just like we did. And in, in this uh, offense that Coach Norvell runs, you know, he uses the tight end a whole lot. You know, you see him up the seam. You see him running corners. You know, you, I mean, you, you see the running, you know, your running backs running wheel routes. Um, you see, your, you know, your receivers, you know, like you said, going over the top for the bomber, you know, deep post or, you know, just getting it done. And the thing about that, having a guy that can lay it in there that has the confidence now to put the ball with precision 
in there in tight spots and let his you know receivers make plays for him. So when you're talking about having weapons all over the field and then having a quarterback that's in Heisman contention and then having a defense that everybody's talking about is going to be able to compete, man, we're looking for some good things. So like I said, now, you know, it's not about the hype train or reading your own press anymore as a player. Everybody is already talking about how great you are. Now it's time to go out and prove it. And it's time for us to get back behind the mic. Look forward to catching up and seeing you in Orlando, Barnon. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Go Knowles. All righty. Thank you to William Barnon Floyd. More front row Knowles right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. We are back on Front Row Knowles. Thanks to William Floyd for joining us. And uh, now time for our Osceola Insider. So we will reopen that Earl Bacon Agency hotline and say hello to the Osceola's Bob Ferrante, who is uh, fresh back from the Tallahassee Quarterback Club kickoff event, which apparently had a headliner that drew quite the crowd. Uh, tell us, Bob, who was the guest uh, last night? Well, we had a lot of good guests. I, I mean, we did have Mickey Andrews. We did have Jim Gladden, Kaz McCorvey. But, you know, the, the guest that everybody is there to hear from is Mike Norvell. And I think he did his um, really – Again, everybody knows he's a fantastic public speaker, but without note cards, without any prompts, he just goes. And the only time he stops is for applause. And there was a lot of applause Tuesday night. I uh, thought he did a good good job of engaging the crowd, of telling them there maybe wasn't enough enthusiasm and energy at times, you know, with, with his with his repetition of let's get ready for September 3rd down in, in, in Orlando against LSU. How'd he do in the Q&A? He, he's always guarded with you guys in press conferences and that type of thing, which he should be. Uh, how was he with the public? You know, it, it's interesting. There are some really good questions from um, what does the football-only facility bring to the program? I thought that was a really interesting question. He talked about um, you know, developing the players, you know, their, their mind, their body, their soul, and what are the intentions for what that building can deliver for for the student athletes, a place where they can hang out and be together. A lot of questions about, um, I think, just overall themes of, of the program. And I think what Mike Norvell's hit on a lot is not just you need to work hard, you need to be consistent, but that a lot of their returning players have been challenged to deliver even more as productive players, as hard workers on the field, as leaders. So I do think we're hearing some repetitive themes, but I, I thought it was really good just to kind of hear, let's say about eight questions from, from the crowd and, and just to kind of see what, what the pulse was of, of the fan base, uh, you know, going to the, the opener. I'm curious, did you put on a mustache and, and go uh, incognito Bobby Valentine style and just raise your hand from the back and, and say, Hey coach, uh, Bob Barante here. Just curious, can you let me know the starters, uh, the two deep offense and defense? I, I was curious about that whole kicking competition, you know, the backup quarterback. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was I was curious to lob a question, but um, I, I think we'll have to wait until Monday when, when the depth chart comes out. <laughs> and, and we know the drill. The depth chart is going to be loaded with the word or, 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 or. And every coach does it, and I think a lot of it is – motivating and and 
wanting to say that this was an open competition beyond one week. Uh, I'm good with that. We'll, we'll really find out September 3rd, but I, I do think, um, you know, some of the coaches have hinted, John Papuchas, for example, after Sunday's scrimmage, that they know they have a decision to finally make about the kicking competition, for example. They know they have to make a call on it. Um, but again, he's also leaving the door open for this is not over once you announce anybody as a starter. I think that's a really good mindset. And again, the depth of this team is really so good. I think at, at a point, again, we can appreciate how far the depth has come, how far the transfer portal has allowed each position group to, to really improve. So I think a lot of these competitions could really go um, into the season. And I, I'm maybe not as caught up about who the first string guy is outside of quarterback, because we're really going to see a heavy rotation at a lot of positions, you know, especially defensive line, uh, especially linebacker. I think we'll want to see some of those younger guys get in. Mike Norvell said a couple of times now, they're going to see eight offensive linemen. They're going to use eight offensive linemen. That's always been the dream, the goal for Florida State to not just have five, but eight that you can move around and, and, and just kind of see where everybody fits. Um, obviously, Darius Washington, a guy who can play all three positions really, really well. So I think a lot of these competitions are, are just going to, you know, keep extending into the season. And, and that's that's what I think makes us excited about the team. And Mike Norvell finally admitting that too, just that he doesn't feel like there are any position groups that, that really he's overly concerned about. Um, and, and we've kind of seen that too. There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of depth. Um, again, I still feel after all these practices that, that Florida State might have the fewest questions of anybody in the conference. You, you just see what kind of talent is out there. And, and now it's time to stop playing the games on paper and see how it plays out on the field. Uh, other than that question about what Tommy. conference it Go ahead, Sorry, Tom. I made the comment to Tommy Bob uh, in our opening segment that I had never heard a collective group of coordinators be more positive about a scrimmage than Sunday scrimmage. Of course, Tom appropriately reminded me. Actually, he chastised me. But otherwise, he reminded me that uh, this is August when everybody's talking positive. All that simply to ask you, have you heard another group of coordinators talk as glowingly about a scrimmage in your time covering Florida State football? Well, I, I would frame it through the, the recency bias of we've heard these coaches, these very same coaches, be highly critical of these very position groups within three years ago. And, and now I think the only criticism we've really heard, Adam Fuller was, I thought, very critical of, of the tackling in that first scrimmage, which, duh, that happens every August because you're not tackling there's always going to be some crazy offensive plays. You know, he joked that Jaheim Bell broke six tackles in that first scrimmage. And then, you know, Jaheim comes over to Adam Ford and says, you guys really need to work on your tackling. That kind of thing is cute and amusing, but I think you get that in a first scrimmage. By the second scrimmage, you kind of see the best of, of all facets of various um, position groups. So... I am curious, you know, once the lights truly come on and we see 11 on 11 for 60 minutes, okay, did that back up what we saw in all these practices? Did it back up what the coaches saw in all these scrimmages, uh, these two scrimmages, honestly? I'll, I'll be very curious, but it, it does seem like just a coaching staff that's very, very confident in the work, in the returning talent, in the leadership. They're not inheriting guys that they have to pull along 
I think we remember those early practices where they were just kind of willing players to finish drills, willing them to, to work harder through the heat. And you don't, you still see coaches fired up, but it's a different type of motivation. It's a different type of push. And I think that's, that's what we can appreciate just having seen these practices firsthand. The assumption, of course, is that Jordan Travis will be improved this year just because he's still on the way up and he's improved so much. We may not know where those improvements are precisely until we see him in the games. Or from what you've seen in camp, can you look at it and say, no, he's he's actually doing this better already? What have you seen from him? Yeah, again, with Jordan, it's just I don't know of a quarterback who's come as far as he has from day one on campus, say, four years ago. It's it's confidence, but it's it's also being more comfortable as a leader, and that's a role that he would say I'm not comfortable in that role. It's commanding a huddle, it's it's knowing, having the confidence in all the guys around him. I think we've talked about this again for years and years. The quality of play, the quality of player around the quarterback wasn't very good for a long, long time, and we often said, well, the quarterback's playing not very well at Florida State. Well, yes, because the talent around him is also not very good. This is the best wide receiving group, tight end group. Um, maybe not the best running backs because we'll see Treshawn Ward is a, is a huge piece to, to fill. The offensive line looks deeper. When you just look position group by position group, it feels like all the pieces are around Jordan to be successful. I know nationally, everybody's caught up about the, the Heisman. What, what will that potentially lead to and, and that's just a lot of hype but it's going to go away pretty soon um you know if, if he's not performing well but I think the talent around him is so much better um the offensive line from a pass protection standpoint can improve for sure I think everybody will say um he's had to scurry for his life a little too much for everybody's liking but I do think that's just the nature of football with with how defenses really are going to have to get after quarterbacks these days at this point in the camp, what's your biggest fear going into LSU? So the easy answer is is injury, right? Um, I'm, I'm still not sure we've seen enough from a backup quarterback candidate. And we really want to see a, a number two quarterback emerge here by that Southern Miss game. Somebody who can play a lot of snaps and, and get game experience to develop and improve. And, and you'd like to see Tate Rodemaker get farther down the road as a fourth-year player. I don't think we've seen enough of it. Whereas Brock Glenn has been really composed and impressive for an 18-year-old. And, and it's different circumstances. Um, you, you know, it's it's almost tough to compare at times just because sometimes the personnel around you um, maybe isn't as good as, as the next quarterback has personnel around him in, in that situation. Kicking is still, I know the coaches are very happy with the kicking competition, but until you see a Ryan Fitzgerald or a Tyler Keltner line up in a pressure, pressure moment with however many thousands and thousands of fans going nuts, you're going to question how good the kicker is at making those important kicks. It's, it's weird to say that those are the two biggest questions, and you can maybe think about reserve safeties or backup linebackers but again, it, it's pretty cool that we've gotten to this point in the Florida State discussion that the things that keep you up at night are significant, but they're not nearly as significant as the ones that we were talking about 
two, three, four, five years ago. They were keeping us up at night, Bob. They were causing nightmares. Nightmares. A few of those too. A few of those. <laughs> no, your point, your point is right on when because everybody has questions about who their backup is at certain positions. I mean, no, no quarterback in a room in America, or very few are going, oh, we're our starter goes down. I love our backup, but if he goes down, we're good. I mean, yeah, there's some teams that that feel a little bit better, I guess, but in general. Uh, just the, it's just the nature of the beast. Um, who has who has jumped out? I mean, we've talked about some of these names, uh, not necessarily a newcomer, but who do you look at and you can say, man, he really got better, or I didn't know he could do that, and now I see he is going to be a contributor. You know, the guy that I think none of us really expected very much from was Kaziah Holmes because. You thought, okay, there's going to be Trey Benson. There's going to be Lawrence Tofield. He catches the ball great out of the backfield. There's going to be Rodney Hill, who's like the, the practice star in every practice. And yes, you've got to find somebody to fill a Trayshawn Ward role because you look at the carries that Florida State's running backs had. I think the number three guy in terms of carries last year had maybe 93 or so carries. That's a ton. I mean, you've got to have three guys who can go in there and do this job. And I didn't think Isaiah Holmes was going to be maybe sniffing at number two, let alone number three spot. And again, we'll see what the depth chart kind of comes out. But Kaziah has that build, um, the physique, the catching ability out of the backfield, kind of along the lines of, of a complete looking back as far as what we've seen in camp. But we didn't expect that. I think the other one that's kind of crazy is Destin Hill, after two years of not playing this sport in a competitive game, working out on the side, working out on his old high school field. You know, we ran into his high school coach at one of the practices. He's so proud of, of Destin, just how much work he's putting out there. Destin's a really smooth route runner. And it, it's really hard to look at him and say, gosh, I, I don't know. You have to find roles for this guy. You have to find opportunities. I still wonder how much of the playbook he truly knows. If he knows enough after May, June, July, August to be thrown out there. But man, I mean, that talent is, fans will say it, it was worth the wait maybe once they see him in September. And, and then they'll say, man, we really could have used him in 2021 and 2022 at times. Um, I, I think he's really fun to watch. And, and he is still truly a true freshman. But I think if you kind of put the asterisk by it, that's the one freshman that you say, they're going to get him out there. They're going to find him a spot to play. Part of the mystique with him, Bob, it's not just, oh, he can play after two years off. It's uh, it's the fact that it was like he was a fictitious character. He was almost like when Sports Illustrated wrote that April Fool story on Sid Finch, right? Like we keep hearing Destin Hill and, and nobody believed he would ever get to FSU. And now he gets here and it's like, oh, and he can play too. So that's just going to be, that'll be part of his, his story as he continues. Sorry, KJ, I had to jump in because anytime I can reference Sid Finch in front row Knowles, I'm going to take the opportunity to do so. I was going to ask the last thing, Bob, the, you know, the coaches talk about injuries. That's supposed to be funny. Nobody's laughing. The coaches never mention injuries. Uh, have you noticed anything not spilling the beans? Cause I know you guys are not supposed to, but you know, guys that were held out that are now back in guys that were seeing a lot of work in the early part of camp, that are being held out just as a general reference. How's the injury situation? Yeah, I think the big one that uh, there was a, little bit of a storm over Jared Verse not practicing. It was brought up by the Jacksonville media. I know Mike Norvell was annoyed by that, but Jared Verse is back and, and he looks really, really good. 
Um, again, you can see it in all the practice videos. He's out there. He is in a green jersey, but you watch him move. It's like he's wearing a garnet jersey. So whatever it was, I think it's in the rearview mirror. I, I think from a health standpoint, you're probably as good as you're going to be after some of these physical scrimmages and, and all that. I know a lot of people are curious about some guys like Winston Wright. It's going to be really fun the first time Winston Wright gets out there on the field and catches a ball or gets a return. I do think that's a moment where a lot of Florida State fans will will stand up and applaud just the fact that he made it through an injury like that, uh, being a passenger in a car accident and coming back. But but really, again, overall, I do think this is a, a pretty healthy team going into the opener. It all sounds good, as it always does in the month of August. He is our Osceola insider, Bob Franey. Thank you, Bob. Take care, guys. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Two minutes left to finish up. Any uh, reaction to what Bob had to share with us there, KJ? Well, just, you know... We talk about the hype train, and of course, bar none is in tune with that as anybody uh, about not reading your press clippings and those types of things. You know, if, if they came out of that second scrimmage as good as they they apparently think they did, and if injuries are as minimal as they apparently think they are, then, you know, you're moving into game week, even though you get a couple of extra days because it's the first game of the season. You know, I think I think this squad is right on track to be in the best possible position to play well come a week from Sunday. You know, we talked a lot about the depth, KJ, and how it fosters better competition in fall camp. But uh, remember that this is a season where there's only one bye week. And so where that depth is going to come in is as the season goes on. I mean, guys are just you're talking about a short week. Remember how much time we used to spend complaining about the short weeks when FSU would play the the primetime TV game and then they get one day less prep? Well, you know, they're doing it again for Southern Miss. And, you know, you get to come up for air one week after Clemson and then you go eight straight weeks, maybe nine straight if you go to the ACC championship game. So it, it will be a grueling season. Well, the one other thing that coaches still are learning to use is the four games and you can still redshirt. I, I think every head coach will tell you that there's there's uh, an opportunity last year when that was introduced that they maybe didn't take full advantage of it. And so that also can help your health uh, in terms of resting some players in games uh, when you hopefully get the lead. And now you're playing the fours, the three and the fours, as opposed to the two and the threes. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Well, clearly they're going to have some games where they're going to be able to play the threes and the fours, and that that it's not going to make up completely for for for. But that's a good it's a good problem to have. KJ, uh, ten days to go. What uh, what's your thoughts right now? What the team needs to do? We just don't need any major anything, a major injury, a major off of the field issue. Uh, a major anything, you know, some players, parent passes away. Uh, you just want, you want the status quo. You want to keep your nose down. You want to work, put the game plan in, get down to Orlando and let's see what we can do in a real life situation. 
We'd take a major update from the NCAA if they wanted to go ahead and, and make Daryl Jackson eligible, though, right? I'm sorry. I'm in a major negative. A okay. major negative. All right. Just just wanted to clarify on that front. Yeah, it's uh, – again, I go back to what I said about August. Uh, you, you see it long enough and everything looks good, but you, you got to get in the ring with somebody else to truly figure out what you have because what you have right now that you think is unbeatable – may not be quite so and what you what you have that doesn't look so great well it might be better than what you think it is you know when you get out there you just don't know well the good news is you've got a staff uh, obviously you've had some additions with uh, coach Sertan and and uh, coach Shannon coming on board two years ago but um, one of the things you worry about in game ones is seeing things you didn't anticipate and making adjustments and that's normally the more veteran staffs that have worked together they can make those quick adjustments, those quick decisions on adjustments. So I like where Florida State's poised in that regard. You know, LSU obviously is going to have some surprises. I'm sure Florida State has some surprises. Uh, being able to adjust to those uh, usually favors the more veteran and experienced coaching staff. Keith, we have uh, managed to fill up an hour again. We'll do this again next week. Thanks, as always, to you and our listeners, and thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles.